Welcome to the City Life Podcast. I'm Tim Woody, the pastor of City Life Church in downtown Fort Worth. There is purpose for your life. There's a destiny you have yet to walk into, and there is hope regardless of what you're facing today. I encourage you to open your heart now to what God will be speaking to you over these next few minutes. Well, good morning. It is Sunday morning, and I want to welcome you to church. Man, this is a very, very different way of doing it today. Uh, first of all, I know that we have made the choice to uh, to do the services online only today because of weather situation. And on top of that, I'm actually not even in Fort Worth. I'm actually out in Odessa, out in West Texas. I'm with family right now. I've uh, been out here for the past four days, and today I'm still staying at my brother's house. And my mother lives right next door. And uh, so I'll tell you a little bit about, about that uh, more, but I've been out here helping family the past few days. But first of all, thank you for being in church today. I'm glad you're here. And I just pray that God has something really, really amazing for you. Also want to thank you again for finishing up your heart for the house pledges, get those wrapped up and, and uh, so that we can continue moving forward with all of the technology projects that we're working on. But I want to let you know this, that uh, today I'm recording this actually on Saturday night. It's, it's about 10:30 Saturday night where I'm I'm recording this pre-recording this so I'm not live right now although I am watching and participating online at this moment, but I needed to be able to record it to get it out uh, so that we could have it ready for the Sunday morning service since I'm very remote right now with not a great internet connection. But I need to let you know today that uh, my dad, my father, Wayne Woody, he just went to be with Jesus just a few hours ago right here in this house, uh, right here with the family here in Odessa. And... uh, all of us were very, very blessed that my dad was able to be released from the hospital. So many of you guys have been praying with me all week long during our prayer times and been following me online that uh, my dad <clears throat> was in the hospital. Uh, he went into the hospital on Monday or Tuesday of last week. The days have kind of run together, and I'm really pretty tired. But uh, he uh, he went into the hospital and uh, went in with pneumonia, and and it, it progressed to a place to where where we were concerned that we wouldn't be able to see Dad at all. So we uh, we made the choice to uh, to move Dad into hospice care while at the hospital which meant that they would reduce the amount of oxygen he was getting. And, and we really wanted my mom, my mom wanted to see him more than anything else. But by moving to hospice, it allowed my mother to be able to go and spend some time with him. They said 15 minutes is all she could have, but they forgot she was there. So mom got to spend an hour there with dad and she was able to sing with him and talk with him. And, and my dad was very, very coherent and, and, uh, and he, uh, he had a little bit of a rebound that, and that was uh, last night or that was Friday night. And we were really excited about that. And they said if he, they could get him down to five liters of oxygen, that they would be able to bring him home because my dad had one desire. He wanted to, he wanted to leave his earthly body when he was at home with his family. So that happened. Uh, 
they were able to, my dad was able to make it on, on the lower level of oxygen. They got him here to the house. Uh, as he was getting off the ambulance, I was like, Dad, you're here, you're home. And we brought him into the house and getting him set up and family came around, my mom came around. And, and within a few minutes, within a few minutes, my dad breathed his last breath. It was interesting because he had been on that five liters of oxygen for almost 24 hours at that point, about 20 hours at that point, and would, had been doing just fine. But it's like he knew that it was time to go. And I just want to tell you, my dad, my dad wanted to be with us. And I'm very grateful to you, City Life, for your graciousness to, to the elders and the staff and those of you who have done extra work over this past week. Uh, to make up for me being away just on the spur of a moment, thank you very much um, because it's meant the world to me to be able to be out here with my dad and to be with my dad as he passed away. Some were asking, well, are you sure you're going to be able to do a sermon and get it ready for church? Like, yeah, the sermon's in my heart. And when I was thinking about this, I was talking to Rebecca and I was thinking that... <laughs> My dad wouldn't have it any other way. See, my dad's a pastor. He's been a pastor all of his life. My dad loved the Word of God. He led untold numbers of people to salvation in Jesus Christ. Dad pastored thousands of people during his ministry. And dad would want me to preach today. And I'm going to preach. And even though this sermon was not originally prepared, this has been kind of burning in my heart for a couple of weeks, but this sermon wasn't prepared because of my dad leaving, but this sermon was what I felt God put on my heart for today. But I want to dedicate this sermon to my dad because my dad has fought a good fight. He's finished his race. He's kept his faith. And there's a crown that is awaiting my dad on that day in the future where we will all receive our crowns from Jesus, all of us who are awaiting his return. And I'm blessed. I'm blessed today because I get to see my dad again today in heaven. He's absent from the body, but he's present with Christ. And I'm telling you, my dad slipped into the presence of God so peacefully. It was amazing. And Dad, I I know you can't hear me because I don't believe that people who go into eternity are looking and listening. No, they're with, that, that's, they're with Christ, but... This message is dedicated to my dad. So open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 17, verse 1. I really want you to follow with me. I have several places we're going to be looking at in the book of Genesis. And while you're finding that place in your Bible, Genesis 17, 1, the question is, what insurmountable challenges are you facing? Uh, is, it a, is it a health issue? Is there something about your work situation or your business situation that's getting worse? Uh, could there be a relationship that you think is irreparable, uh, possibly a habit or an addiction that seems to be governing your life? And I, I just want you to know this. Get this. If you can get anything else today, know this. Whatever challenge you are facing, it's not too difficult for God. And that's a sermon title for today. It's not too difficult for God. 
my dad would be shouting, amen, right now. <laughs> I want you to get ready to be encouraged to hear what God's word has to say about what we consider to be insurmountable challenges. Uh, you know, we've all been dealing with, I've, I've been dealing with some challenges this past week, challenges with my dad in the hospital, my mom, and and, and still needing to, to do prayer meetings and lead the church and being remote. And 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 uh, I've not been getting much sleep. And it's, uh, I've just been also trying to discern the will of God, even for for the the decisions we've had to make over the past few days, and acting in faith, and and those challenges are on us all the time. But 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 the truth is, whatever you're facing, whatever I'm facing, it's not too difficult for God. Today we're we're going to be looking at two characters from the Bible, and their names are Abram and Sarai. Now. These two people, it's a married couple, and we find their story in the book of Genesis. And they had originally taken this faith journey from this place called Ur of the Chaldeans. Now, that, that was down in ancient uh, Sumeria, a very, very idolatrous land. Uh, they It would be kind of in the area of southern Iraq today. And they went with Abraham's father to a new land, which would be up in the modern-day area of Syria. And so they lived there with, with their dad for a while. Then God spoke to Abram and to Sarah that it was time to leave their family there and then to move down into Canaan, which would eventually be the land of Israel. So, so you have to keep in mind that back then, there was no Bible. They didn't have any churches. They didn't have any pastors. There was there were no uh, faith building podcasts. There were, there was nothing out there. It was just Abe, Abe, well Abram it was was his name and Sarah. They get this. They had no Christian background. They had no Jewish background. Uh, in fact, we consider Abram the originator of the Jewish faith, and. They were just simply in a place of having to learn to listen to God. And they didn't really know what the voice of God sounded like, but Abram was a man of faith, and he somehow tuned into the voice of God and began to obey God. So he took this journey down to this new land, and, and it's all written there in the book of Genesis. At, at the age of 75, finally, God promises Abram, 75 years old, that his descendants were going to be as numerous as the sand. And this involved his 65-year-old wife. In fact, the uh, the God told Abram at this point, your wife, Sarah, at the age of 65, that's, that's how she, old she was then, she's going to have a baby. Well, the problem with that is, oh, you know, at 65 years old, probably not going to be having a baby. That's, that's how it works with a woman's body. But even to even compound this, she was barren. Uh, she was sterile. She could not have children. So she, it was impossible for her to have children. She had none. And so Abram and Sarah, they had none. And here comes this promise. He's 75. She's 65. Okay, the promise of a child is going to come. You're, so your descendants are going to be as numerous as the sand. Well, she never got pregnant. And 24 years went by. 24 years. I mean, don't you hate delayed promises? <laughs> I do. Uh, you know, like deliverance is coming and something's going to turn and something's going to shift or here's a promise from God and, and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting. I know what you, I know what that feels like. We all do. And, and you, you might be saying this, God, I've, I've obeyed you the best I know how I've tried to live by faith. I'm trying to do all this stuff for you, God. And 
Where's the answer? I thought you promised me, God. I've said that to God. God, you promised. You promised. Where's the promise? 24 years later, he's not 75 anymore. She isn't uh, 65 anymore. God speaks again. Now, they are past being like up there in years. They are now just plain old. They're, they're old. They, they are old. Okay, so we pick it up in, in Genesis chapter 17, verse 1. Follow along with me, and we're going to continue reading several portions here as we develop this. Okay, look at it. Uh, Genesis 17, verse 1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said... I am the Lord God, excuse me, I am the God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and you will and, and will increase your numbers. So Abram fell face down and God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. Now, originally he said you were going to have offspring that as much as the sand of the sea, the stars in the sky. Now you're going to be the father of many nations. So no longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. For I've made you the father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. Okay, so this has got to be riveting. Here he is again, 99 years old. He's getting a name change at 99 years old and a more detailed promise uh, that's that's added on to the promise that was already given to him. So his name at that time was Abram. Abram meant exalted father, exalted father. Now, his own dad was an idol worshiper, was an idol maker actually by, by his occupation. And and Abram comes along. I mean, his dad is an idol maker, and yet God stirs in him and says he's, he's an exalted father. That was the name given to him when he was living in Samaria. But then God took his name, Abram, and God expanded it and went from Abram to Abraham. Now, I've done a lot. Actually, I probably did more studying on these names than anything else in this sermon. I spent hours and hours going because there's a lot of opinions regarding what this means. But uh, but when when you look at the the real Jewish roots of these this words, what the lengthening of his name meant was this: Now you're you're a covenant father who is exalted. He is a covenant father who is exalted. You are going to be their protection and you are going to be their shield. So this becomes the new, more robust, enhanced uh, covenant name of Abraham because he's making a covenant. God's making a covenant with him. And, and I love this because God sends, God told him some things are going to have to change with you, Abram. Abraham, Abram. <laughs> I'm going to change your name to Abraham and some things are going to have to change with you. And 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 I, I, I looked at that and I thought, you know what? I think one of the things that God wants to speak to us today is that sometimes God wants to change you and you need to change some things about yourself and sharpen your focus and even narrow your focus on life before your miracle is going to come to pass. And I think that is for some of you right now, right here. Now, look at verse 15. We continue reading Genesis seventeen fifteen. God also said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. A very similar, yet a very different name. He says, I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. 
So we get the second name change. And, and I looked at the, her name, her original name from when they lived out in Sumeria, which was, it was Sarai or Sarai. And that means she who strives. It also means a contentious person. Very interesting. But the name, even though it's similar, it means something significantly different. Because now God says, your name is Sarah, which means princess. Suddenly, suddenly, there's an identity shift for both of them, regardless of how so, so, so old they were. (laughs) Old! Oh, okay, okay. Look at verse 17 in Genesis 17. So it says, Abraham, now from here on out, he is Abraham. He fell face down and he laughed and said to himself, will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? So he's laughing. He, this, he's, he fell on his face and he laughed. Basically, what he's saying is, that's impossible. The, this stuff, God promised, God said, God's been, he's thinking, God's been saying this for years and years and years, two and a half decades. Come on, God, where's the miracle? And so he just starts laughing and laughing and laughing. Okay, we need to fast forward a little further because if you look in Genesis chapter 18, verse 1, we're going to pick up the story right here. So the Lord appeared, look at Genesis 18, 1, the Lord appeared to Abraham near the great great, great trees. I'm kind of tired, guys. Excuse that. (laughs) But the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. So Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. Now, I want to tell you a little bit about these three men. These were uh, angels. We know that from this text that one of them was actually the son of God. So it was Jesus before. So this is Jesus. And Jesus makes a few appearances in the Old Testament, and it's called a theophany. And this is one of the appearances of Jesus along with two others. So uh, some would say it it's represents the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I personally don't believe that because... Uh, for there are plenty of reasons I'm not going to get into that, but I do believe that it was Jesus with two other angels. So look back there. It says Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. And he said, "If I have found favor in your eyes, my lord, do not pass your servant by." So let a little bit of water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me go get you something to eat so you can be refreshed and go on your way now that you have come to your servant. So again, this was the custom of the day. You were to uh, be kind kind to people, kind to travelers, and, and, uh, and especially the values of Abram. Abraham at this point, he, he's a person who's going to have high values, high standards. He's going to be kind to, to these people. So, very well, they answered. <laughs> Do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three sayas of the finest flour and knead it and make some bread. And then he ran to the herd and collected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. So all of a sudden you think, okay, she's making bread. The bread, it's going to take some time to get that done. And they just went out and killed a calf. They're going to have, this. they're making a meal here. This isn't just a thing of like, we're going to call Grubhub and get some food real quick. You're going to be on your way. No, these guys are going to stay for a while. So keep reading on. It says, then he brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them. While they ate, he stood near them under a tree. Okay, now here's where it gets interesting. 
Where is your wife, Sarah? They asked him. They're in the tent, he said. Now, he's kind of shocked because she has not come out. He didn't, he didn't even tell them that Sarah was in the tent, so they know the name. They're in the tent, he said. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you. Now, we, this, this one of them that said we believe was Jesus, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now, Sarah was listening. Okay, so the prophecies keep coming. So this is another one that, that hits here. Uh, and, and we don't even really know how long uh, transpired between the time God named him Abraham and Sarah when they were 99 and, and uh, 90. And this particular instance, it could have been a few days later, weeks later. It could have even been years later. So at this point, now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind them. And Abraham and Sarah were already very old, like very, very old. And Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? So she's laughing now. Abraham laughed. Sarah's laughing. Then the Lord said to Abraham, so we know this is the angel of the Lord. This is Jesus. Why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I am old? Okay, listen to this. Is anything too hard for the Lord? In other words, it's not too difficult for God. you you may have felt that there's a, that God has spoken to you about some significant event in your life or something that it was to transpire or something that you were to do or maybe it was even just getting free from a habits or addiction some health issues a, a business challenge or struggle uh, an irreparable relationship and God is saying that to you right now is anything too hard for the Lord it's not too difficult for God. It's not too difficult for God. I just want to tell you something. The other, uh, just the other day during prayer, I was in the, in the house next door with my mom and, and she said, Tim, I just feel this, this like brain fog. I just feel like I'm in a fog and I can't even think clearly. And, and and we prayed with her, and, and then as I was leading prayer, uh, I, 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 in those of you who were in that prayer meeting, you know this. I, I said, I just feel like I was. I told them about my mom, but I said, I think a lot of other people just are just in a fog, and we need to pray. We need to pray for that to be lifted and delivered. And so we finished prayer. I went back over to my mom, and she wasn't tuned into the prayer meeting at all. She didn't even know that I was going to pray with you guys during to uh, during that time about brain fog. And I went over there and she said, you know what? That just lifted. I don't feel that anymore. It's gone. Now, that was just a small miracle. But again, is anything too hard for the Lord? Keep looking here. Look look in the scripture. It says, I will return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid. So she lied and said, so she sticks her head out like, I did not laugh. (laughs) <laughs> but he said, yes, you did laugh. Now, that's so interesting. Uh, <clears throat> there's a lot that's packed into that. See, God 
God didn't just say once that Abraham was going to have a son. No, God confirmed it time and time again. And you can expect God to speak to you about major life matters. Uh, and, and, and he may speak to you again and again and again. And it may be over a period of many years. I don't know. But when God's speaking, you keep holding on to those promises because it's not too difficult for God. And, and I think it's actually encouraging that Sarah had, had this unusual human weakness. No, it wasn't unusual. It was normal human weakness. She was just laughing. Uh, and th- then, of course, she lied about laughing. And, you know, the truth is we're all tempted to sometimes lie to get ourselves out of trouble. But with the exception of Jesus Christ, the Bible never presents any of the great men and women of God in the Bible as faultless. None of them. And I just kept noticing as I was studying this, there are these key words that keep going over and over. I just saw laugh and laughter and bless and blessing. And, 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 and if you really want to know what's, what a text is about, you find those words that just keep getting repeated. There's a big theme here about blessing and about laughter. And something I noticed that I've never noticed before as I was studying this, the truth is Abraham nor Sarah were never rebuked because of their laughter. For the longest time, I thought, oh, that was so terrible that they laughed. Actually, they were never rebuked for it. Sarah was called on the carpet for lying about laughing. <laughs> I love this. Okay, look forward to Genesis 22, verse 1. We want to see how this wraps up. Okay, Genesis chapter 21, verse 1. It says, Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. At the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave the name Isaac. It's important. Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God has commanded him. There's a whole lot in here about circumcision. That's a different sermon because you read the context, you'll see it in there. But Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has brought me laughter. And everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. You know what the name Isaac means? The name Isaac means he will laugh and he will rejoice. So this miracle child promised for years and years that was going to cause uh, amazing things to happen around the world. This miracle child received the name that simply reminds us to laugh. I'm going to challenge you to laugh in the face of some of the obstacles that are there. You just, well, God hasn't answered that that prayer yet, or, or you've not seen that miracle yet. Just, it's like, okay, okay. But instead of getting angry, I think you should just haul off and laugh because laughter just helps to purify our hearts. And there's something healthy about it because they were never rebuked or called on the carpet for laughing, only for lying about laughing. Jeremiah chapter 20, chapter 37, verse 17, beautiful. Jeremiah says this, Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. And what I see there is this truth is that, that, that nothing in creation, he talks about the heavens and the earth, so, so nothing in creation is too difficult for God to transform. And I don't care what's facing you, that's anything that has to do with anything that exists in this world, nothing in all of, if God can create this universe, 
out of nothing, then he can take take anything that's created around you and he can reverse it. He can fix it. He can work a miracle for you. And it's interesting because just a few verses later in Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 27, he says something similar. He says, I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is there anything too hard for me? <laughs> so that tells me that there are no people issues that are too difficult for God. Trust God completely. Your situation is not too difficult for God. And and I'm I'm also I also feel a, a challenge to tell you today to stop worrying. One of the things that, that God's helped me with all those week long with my dad in the hospital and you knew he was near death and 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 my mom recovering from sickness and being there to help them. I I, I, I'm not going to worry because worry is going to pull me down. You see, Jesus commands us, don't worry about life or material things. I know we're supposed to think ahead, plan a thing, but we're, we're not supposed to worry ahead. You can't add a single hour to your life by worrying. And I want to challenge you as that, as you're waiting on that miracle, as you're laughing about that miracle that's going to come, trust in your heavenly father to provide because he knows your every need. Faith, just have that faith. That is the antidote to worry. Um, Corey Tin Boom, who was, uh, who was a concentration camp, uh, uh, participant I would and participants the only word I can think of here but she was in a concentration camp in in Germany for for hiding Jews in her home and and this this lady was actually made it out alive and went on to have a powerful ministry the rest of her life but she said something interesting as a lady who lived in the concentration camp she said worry does not empty tomorrow of sorrow but worry empties today of strength don't let your strength be drained by worry. Don't borrow trouble from tomorrow. Every day has enough trouble of its own. Make the decision today you're not going to be stressed out and all worried about tomorrow and begin to trust God to provide for you one day at a time. Here's the challenge. Stop worrying and start laughing. Just just start laughing. Yeah, sort out your priorities and 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 uh, and but but make sure that things are going in that right direction with your priorities. Make sure that you're walking the right way. But just stop, start laughing, and stop worrying. It's funny because even as I was talking with Jake Nunn just a few minutes ago, uh, one of our elders, a board member at our church, I was talking to him about the sermon and and because uh, he's helping on site today. And and uh, I was I was telling him about it, talking to him about the laughter component, how much how important it is in this sermon. And as I was doing that, my mom sitting on the other side of the living room, who's just lost her husband of sixty five years, just starts laughing and laughing and laughing. Don't worry, stop worrying, and start laughing. There are more miracles ahead. You know, my mom wasn't laughing because she's necessarily happy about anything. But laughter is healing. Laughter does amazing things for you. 
And then when you just stop worrying and start laughing, then you can do what the scriptures say. What Jesus said in Matthew 7, 7, he says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. He, Jesus said, for everyone who asks receives and to the one who seeks, he finds. To the one who knocks, the door will be opened. And today can be a day that a new door is opened into your future. If you simply make the choice that I'm going to just keep my faith going, and I'm going to trust God completely because it's not too difficult for God. And I'm going to laugh and while the miracle's on its way. I'm not going to worry. And I'm just going to keep asking. That, that's a formula for you to use. And I want to encourage you. In fact, I want to encourage you to do that before we leave this service today. Because the miracle is still out there. God didn't lie to you. Sure, you might laugh. Go ahead and laugh. The miracle is still out there. Trust in God completely. First of all, though, before I go any further, I want to speak to those of you who may not be in relationship with Jesus. Uh, I know one thing about my dad is my dad was a soul winner. And something I remember about dad growing up is when he would preach, many times he would take off his glasses near the end of the sermon. And I don't know why dad would take off his glasses, but now I know it's dad would get teary eyed. And when you get teary eyed and you're under those hot lights, your glasses start fogging up. But remember, dad would take off his glasses and he would look out at us. And I'd see my dad's big blue eyes. And dad would compel people to give their lives to him. And because I've dedicated this sermon to my dad, I'm going to do this one more time on this. I'm recording this just a few hours after he slipped into eternity. And I'd love for there to be a few more people in eternity with my dad. If you've not given your life to Jesus, if you're not serving him, you don't have to be afraid of eternity. You don't have to be afraid of death. Jesus wants to forgive you of your sins and give you that new hope for eternity. And he wants to do it now. He wants to make you as if you have never sinned. The guilt, the shame, the condemnation can be gone immediately. That's what he wants for you. I want to pray for you now. And if you need Jesus, I want you to pray these words with me. Just give your life to him. Pray this with me. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Wash me in your precious blood. I commit my way to you. I ask you, Jesus, to prepare me a place in heaven because I am looking forward to living with you forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have you discovered your street of influence? Whether it be family, government, business, arts and entertainment, faith, health and vitality, or education, Head over to culturalstreets.com and discover your street today.